Hello and welcome to podcast. We're the podcast friends who love songs. Wait, We're am I recording the right beat? I always do that podcast wrong. today. Do you come in on one and three, or do you come in on two and four? I, I'm, well, fortunately, I'm Josh. That's Charles, of course. We're joined by a musical theater expert who can answer that question. Uh, Allison, what's the answer? Two and four. Fuck. Two and four. I'm always coming in on one and three. Why do you think that is? Do you, as, a, as a musical professional, what's your diagnosis of someone that comes in on one and three? Your beats are off. Stupid in the head. <laughs> My beats I think it's are stupid off? in the head. You got, you got bad beats, man. Fuck. Bad beat syndrome. <laughs> Oh. Um, we're of course. This is of course podcast musical. Uh, when will it end? We're we've we've made it, guys. We've 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 ran the marathon and we're sprinting down that final tree lined avenue. There's fans screaming around us. The sweat. <sighs> there's sweat coursing out of our porous foreheads. We're like I don't know some guy named Luigi Spaghetti, and we've been running our whole lives for this moment. We're here. High School Musical 3, baby. We did it. I feel like an Italian man has never won a marathon. Maybe I'm just, I don't know. Josh was just uh, casually referencing Eat, Pray, Love, but the oh, character's right. name is Luca Spaghetti. I thought I would like make it just different enough. Right. But honestly, it's generic. Yeah. Allie knew what, where my brain's at. Honestly, we've been doing a lot of eating, praying, and loving since seeing Eat, Pray, Love. So I am feeling more like I can love myself. It's a spiritual time. Are you a rich white woman? Um, I'm a white man, but Charles, look. Mm. I am, not to brag, but. Gender is a construct. Some guy made it up, and yeah, I said it. Some guy made it up, because friggin' men are, look, don't get me started, okay? All right, it's too early to get you started. I can't can't rant right now. Do you see what I have to deal with? Yeah, I do. Oh, boy. You both deal with different elements of this, I feel like. (laughs) Can you give me an example of how you've learned to love yourself, Josh? Yeah. Um, well, last night I, I slept. <laughs> last night he slept for the first time in a while. Like I, I like went to bed for a prolonged period of time. That's very important. You, you ever done that? I do it every night. Yeah. I'm what? very lucky in that I do it every night. You sleep every night? Every goddamn night. That must be a goyish thing. I don't know. That's, yeah. That's wild. The goyish sleep. When we were um, in high school, my friend... Uh, Jared and I, we had a, it wasn't even a, it wasn't like a competition between us. It was a shared experience where we both decided to try to stay up together for as long as we could. Mm. And uh, we made it three days and unfortunately Predator 2 killed us. Too boring. Too boring. Wait, we, sorry, <laughs> watching the movie Predator 2 put you to sleep. Yeah, we made it a few days, like two days and then we were in the second to third day without going to bed. And all the while, my parents were like, why are you doing this? And I still don't have a good answer. But we decided to do a marathon of all the Alien movies and Predator movies. And we made it through all the Alien movies. And somehow we made it through Predator, which is... I hate Predator and I think it's really boring. I can't believe I made it through that one. But Predator 2 just kicked me out and I finally lost consciousness and fell asleep. Something I'm realizing about our relationship, Charles, is that that's actually, like, for you, a pretty good story. Yeah, that was a good one, right? I know, I know. I'm getting a look from Allison. For you, that for Charles, that's batting a thousand. There was like a clear. There's something at stake. There was an ending. Uh, I, I led like, with the main characters too. Jared was right. named right out of the gate. Is that unusual? Yes. Normally, a Charles story <laughs> is saying like, you know, uh, uh, in high school, I once, I was going to walk somewhere, but, but then I didn't. That's not true. Yeah, that's like literally 
I've That's never walked literally anywhere. so rude. You're so rude. Wait, me or Charles? You. <laughs> That's what Charles's <laughs> shitty stories are like. I'm My just happy. God. He did a good job. Just I'm giving him a win. That's not a compliment if you have to be. What's the opposite of a humble brag? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's yeah, a like that. derogatory praise? That's what mm-hmm. that was, Josh. That was what that was. A backhanded yeah, compliment. A, a backhanded insult. compliment. <laughs> I guess that's a phrase that has been said for millennia probably. But I'm going to go with derogatory praise. Yes. Since the dawn of time, <laughs> I, I think the first word that the lungfish gasped out when it crawled out of the primordial ooze was backhanded compliment. That makes sense though, right? Whoever was like, oh, good job for getting out of the ocean. It is pretty condescending. I, I'm sure someone's making fun of that little fish. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, Allie, would you cast a, could you help a lungfish d- devise a play, do you think, about its experience? I don't know. Can it can it communicate with humans? Mm-hmm. Well, it can gasp. Also, talk as though we are loud. Pretend as though you're loud talking. What? That's bad. <laughs> No, I. I'm, what are you talking? About? There we go. No, no, we're getting, we're getting it. We're getting it. Josh is the producer, so rather than upping your levels, he's just demanding that you scream louder. Oh, you want me to literally talk louder? Yeah, well, I already upped them a little bit. Okay, so. I thought you were asking me okay, to loud, direct too loud, you. Too loud. Too loud. Allison, I, I have a. Josh only goes so far now. as the producer. He, he's like one of those meet in the middle sorts of guys. He doesn't do the job fully. He does a little bit and then re- demands that you do the rest for him. Well, also, when it comes to sandwiches, mm. I'm also a meat-in-the-middle guy. I like my meat on the side. <laughs> it's true. Allison's dream sandwich is pastrami, rye, pastrami, rye, pastrami. It's, you know, I don't question it. It's part of our relationship. It takes a long time at deli counters. They really fucking hate her. Is it one slice of pastrami for each slice of bread, or is it like a pile of pastrami? It's actually a pile of pastrami next to a pile of bread. Yeah. And I, I don't eat the bread. That's good. Why do you get the bread, though? What do you do with it? For sandwich integrity. Okay. Hold on. Let me just turn this question back on Charles for a minute. Charles, why did you stay up for three days without trying to sleep? Why does Allison get the bread without eating it? These are the questions of humanity. Why is this night different than all other nights? It's a question we've been struggling with our entire existences. Back from when that single lungfish crawled gasping out of the primordial ooze simply to say, backhanded compliment. We're all in this together. So High School Musical 3, let's talk about its strengths. It's in a high school and has a musical, which is a two for two on the title, which is the first time in the series <laughs> history we've accomplished uh, both. That's right, not true. Go, it's the second time. What do you mean? Number one. We don't see the musical. We don't. We... Oh, I see. Right. Let's go through one. We got the first one was just it was in high school, but didn't have a musical. The second one was neither in high school nor had a musical. And the third one <laughs> is back in high school, and we get the musical. So we'll go back. That's one and z- one, one for two, zero for two. Oh shit, two for two. Two for two. And, and you really you want to end strong like that, Charles? I am dying to hear what you thought of this movie. Dying. Ah, uh, I'm hope the listeners are too, because I have watched. I watched this days ago, and it's been my blood's been pumping to the beats of, but. I know I have that condition, but it's still pumping to the beats of, uh, what was the one where he, what's the Inception song? Fuck. Strike? No. Inception song? Yeah. What's the song that he sings while spinning around in the hotel with JGL? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, with the basketballs raining from Fuck. the sky and shit. What's that called? That, Scream. That Scream. Scream. It's called Scream. That's the best song in the movie. Yeah. And it's the best scene in the movie. I actually like really like, I, so I, I'm, I didn't tell this to you guys the last time 
but I didn't watch any of the musical numbers in High School Musical 2. You did tell us that, and it's something we talked about while watching this one. You explicitly said he that. He didn't tell us that. No, he did not. Maybe he told you. That's what I mean. I didn't say it on the episode because I was embarrassed as someone who's supposed to be talking about the High School Musical series. I basically skipped every song in High School Musical 2. Well, they're all bad, so you didn't miss anything. They're all bad. but well, And also, crucially, you told me why you skipped all of them, which was true, which is none of them actually advanced the plot in any discernible way. But into. I will say, Charles, in the first movie, you said that you can't really pay attention to songs that advance plot because it's hard for you to hear plot in musical form. So I was really curious about how you what you thought of the musical numbers in this because they actually are integral to the plot. So, yeah, so here's the thing. I... I'm going to, once again, go through each movie. High School Musical 1, I watched all the musical numbers and realized that they were great because they were on... I could have skipped them. So I used that knowledge for two to skip all of them in two because I like watched the first 30 seconds and I was like, this sucks, I'm going to skip. And like, geez, they're like five-minute numbers? Is that they called numbers in the biz? Sure, sure. Five-minute numbers. And I was about to do the same for Musical 3, but you know, I just got caught up in it. And I couldn't, I couldn't skip forward. I had to watch it. So this is where we, we touch on the fact that this is a blockbuster hit. It was it was in theaters. This soundtrack, Josh, you looked it up, right? Yeah, this was number two in the Billboard Top 100 of the soundtrack. On an $11 million budget, this movie made $250 million, which is an insane multiplier. That's that's huge. The soundtrack was hugely popular. Like People just listened to it like it was an album. And when I say people, I do mean me. So person. Person well, women, to it. women are persons. Many persons did, including one here. And you know what's crazy? So this really shows how little money was spent on the like actual making of the movie because you know it's reported. I think that uh, Zac Efron got five million dollars for this movie. What? So that's like almost half the budget was just spent on one person, and like you can tell that it's like it's just like interesting to see that it still had all the the shitty low budget aspects of the made for tv style but it was thrown into theaters and people just gobbled it up well it looks great i think I it looks say. amazing yeah i thought the production quality was pretty high i like, guess maybe I definitely... what i mean is just that it's like nothing's really going on other than shooting at some rich person's house or inside of a high school like they're not really doing anything differently than they had been and yet this one was given a huge stage. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They're at a scrapyard. Yeah, there is a very exciting scrapyard sequence. So let's uh, <laughs> let's not discount that. And those that. are really expensive locations. The trash the trash yards. <laughs> this movie ruled. This uh, is so yes. good. This, this movie ass. was amazing. So Allison, to answer your to question, I did have a journey with this movie where for a brief moment I was a little disappointed in it. And then I sort of looked back on everything that we've done so far during this podcast and saw that this followed the classic one being remade later down. Like we got a Fast and the Furious 4. We got, Josh, help me out. There's some other ones. But like where the first one is just basically redone. I mean, I guess a Return of the Jedi, if you'll excuse me talking about Star Wars. <laughs> Who? Had a, you know, the Jedi. <laughs> but basically, so my journey was, I started re-looking at this as a remake of one. I was like, this is what I wanted from one better. We actually get relationships between Chad and Troy that make sense. We get Gabrielle and Sharpay having a relationship. All these people that I was like, sort of just like, oh, I liked it. It was fun. This actually was really great and had concrete emotional stakes that 
were much better than one, even though it was just basically telling the same story. The writing is excellent. The music is excellent. The choreography is excellent. Everything about it is pretty excellent, except for one thing that we'll we'll get to, I'm sure. Well, Wildcats, I want to start with the beginning of the movie, because like any classic film... Wait, wait, film, can we talk about how only Vanessa Hudgens refers to anyone as Wildcats? Like, that's her thing, is like giving people that endearing nickname of like, it's okay, Wildcat. No one else does that in the movie. Well, she's clearly overcompensating as the dork who transferred over. She's the newbie, and she'll always be. Is that what you referred to as the one problem in the movie? No, 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 no. Okay. No. Well, then I, I, I think there might be multiple problems, because I still think that uh, her character is not great, her singing is not great, and they still sort of treat her like shit. Oh, she's horrendous. She's a terrible actor. She's a terrible singer. Her mom is bad at acting. Just <laughs> anything related to that family is like kind of a swing and a miss. But anyway, Josh was about to go ahead, Josh. Yeah, we'll oh, get yeah. back to that. So the movie kicks off with a motherfucking bang. Because let me explain something to you, Sap sitting at home who've maybe never written their own musical trilogy. Sorry, you froze up. Uh oh. Well, can Wait. you still hear me? I can hear you. Then it's not a problem. Well, it's I can an hear audio you now. Format. I couldn't hear you before. Well, I could hear you, so it's fine. Don't cut any. If you cut any of this shit out, I'll be so fucking mad at you. I'm gonna cut this one out. I usually leave Don't this shit in. Don't cut it out. This is getting leave cut. it in. Double it. Okay, so <laughs> play it again, sister. No, that's Charles. Oh. I, he's not your sister. You don't have a sister. You've never had a sister. Okay, I had a, I have a sister. sister. When I was Do you guys young. wait? Do you want a, oh, you want a sister God. update? Oh yes, please give us because the last time we recorded, it was like the beginning of the sister saga, saga, sister saga, the Phantom Sister. Yeah, we we talked about it on a Friday episode. If any of you aren't subscribed to our Patreon show, you don't really know what's going on. I'm not really going to explain it, so we need that five bucks. Give us the five bucks, and you can go and listen to it. Some of the story is actually on HSM one. That Shit. episode, you Fuck. do talk about your sister, but anyhow. Oh, that's right. I talked about how weird it is that she's a libertarian on the extra show. Yeah, it's a better conversation. You should still give us $5. The thing is that Allison has a memory, mm-hmm. and I have a memory, and Charles has a memory. And all together, we combine those threads into this rich tapestry of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And in a way, that connects us all the way back to that first lungfish who dragged itself gasping out of the primordial okay. ooze. Yeah. Only to, to belch out <laughs> backhanded compliments. Every time you say lungfish, you're triggering the viewers about coronavirus. Just be aware. No, you just revealed your own hand and you're right, the level of your <laughs> I'm just sitting here shaking in my boots because <laughs> yeah. of lungfish. Yeah, that's true. I want to apologize. We'll put a lungfish trigger warning at the beginning of the episode. All right. I'll make lungfish sure to do Lungfish is that. undiscussed. Yes. So Sister Saga episode one, The Phantom Menace, we set up that Charles has a sister and she's a libertarian and you weren't invited to her wedding or you were, but in a way that was clearly not an invitation. And now we move on to Sister Saga two, Attack of the Sister. Well, no, that's the thing. No more attacks. Whether they be strange, uh, backhanded, I'm not going to say backhanded, that's too long fishy. Um, just, you know, sort of... You just said it again. God I'm going to bleep it, it up. Bas- passive aggressive wedding invitations... Or years-long confusion over me maybe being a dick. I don't know. But we've now gone on two walks together. We've each walked our dogs, she in North Carolina, me in Medford, Massachusetts. And uh, we've had long, hour-long conversations about Phantom Threads and uh, other things. So Sister Saga is going maybe not as good as High School Musical, but it's pretty good. 
Okay, Wildcat. Well, thanks for the update. You got it, man. <laughs> okay, so um, everyone sitting at home who has not penned their own, let, let's just say this, Kenny Ortega, you beautiful bastard, you <sighs> magnificent piece of shit. You put together this incredible trilogy. Um, for all the non-Ortegas at home, in the first movie, we see Troy practice the basket of ball, okay? In the second movie, we see Troy do bad at practice the basket of ball, Okay. In the third movie, we see Troy fucking take the goddamn Wildcats to the goddamn state championship and run a fucking trick play with Rocket Man and drawing the triple coverage, feed it out to Rocket Man to hit that layup in the, in the, upon the post because no one's fucking it's, – it's, we get a big fat slice of basketball pie. Did you watch? But what's also very cool about the basketball pie is that we get it right at the beginning of the movie, and so we don't have to have it the rest of the movie. We just get talk about it the rest of the movie, but if we had it the rest of the movie, it would just be a repeat of High School Musical 1. So they get that shit out of the way soon. Right, and then they set up the emotional resonance of Troy returning to the locker room later to, first off, give us a little taste of... Uh... Hazing. Well, I don't know. Hazing. You can uh, say it. Hazing. hazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the hazing is great. I, was, I meant we get to see a little bit of Zac Efron's torso for like a little bit later on. But yes, they do haze Rocket Man and Rocket Man's uh, adjunct, whatever his name is. He is great. Does the he have, Did they great. give that guy a name? Well, Al and I were remarking that they insist on replacing the uh, racial dynamics of Chad and uh, and uh, Troy. Troy's relationship with an exact copy, but young, but smaller. Well, they they replaced funny. it with ever like everything was about him was replaced like that he is just uh rocket man is the dark-haired version of zach efron well no he's a bit more of a goof he's, he's not yeah he's a goon yeah but i mean maybe he's the bizarro version where he but he, we, we thought it was funny that that they had exactly replicated the friendship with chad for no reason yeah well not for no reason i mean the, the reason is that they're trying to build a secondary franchise out of it like, they wanted to... I don't know if they ever did. I think they did do, like, other spinoff movies with the younger cast. I hope that's not as cynical. I actually read Rocket Man and the new... What was, what was, what was Sharpay's new person? The British Chloe? lady. Who fucking cares? Zoe? Yeah, the Emmy? British one. Anyway, they're, like, this. they're leaving. This is, this is the, like... This is why I think this movie hits hardest is that it actually is about growing up. And Rocket Man and the British girl represent the new people that are taking over for them. And part of them wants to move on, but a part of them doesn't want to lose what they have. Well, again, the problem with H- HSM2 is the total lack of stakes. And in this one, it's really quite powerful. Now, I guess we should get into some issues with the movie, which, again, by and large... I'm not ready for that yet. Okay, well, I-, I wanted to address... We're, we're talking about this okay. emotional theme. Yeah. The end of the movie is a bit of a mess. I didn't want to talk about that yet. <laughs> okay. It's the end, Josh. I'm saying... We start at the we, beginning. But hold on. We're talking about the stakes of the movie, which is leaving and ending. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that's, the, that's the, what, the, 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 what we're talking about. The emotional resonance of the whole film is that we know that they're seniors and they're not going to be wildcats next year. Well, once a wildcat, always a wildcat. Well, yes. I know, but like they're not going to be able to rep the, the, the red and white of the wildcat colors on the court. Well, or the stage. I mean, once a wildcat, always a wildcat. Can you just shut the fuck <sighs> I feel that I, we can't go any further talking about this without addressing the fact that this came out in October of 2008. October of 2008, Josh and I were in college. It was our first semester of college. 
And I had just graduated from high school. Josh had just graduated from high school. The difference here being I saw the movie in theaters. (laughs) And it was so emotionally charged for me because I had just graduated from high school. And I had followed these characters through high school. And... I was telling Josh, I mean, I cried through, like, the end of the movie in theaters. Like, I remember just sitting there and sobbing because I felt like the nostalgia that they play on, like, that feeling of being pulled and torn between wanting to grow up and wanting to be a kid, the pull of, like, high school relationships and knowing that they're going to end but not wanting to because that means that you're changing and you want to change but you're scared to change. Like, those are all really big themes and it just so happened that it came out right when I was going through that. So I have, an, I have a special emotional connection to this movie that I think maybe, I don't know, you two might have experienced that watching it, but it's maybe not quite the same as watching it when you're going through that. Well, you know, in 2008, I had done acid for the first time. And yeah. I had, I had sex for the first time. Um, well, in 2008, big... I was doing my Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing. I was wearing hair bows. I was in school for musical theater. I was wandering around the Boston Common high at 2 a.m. But, but also, I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room here. And by that, I mean uh, the grand old uh, party, the, the Republican Party, because this movie came at the tail end of the Bush years. And we were all so – it was a really emotional time to think about um, – Bush, Cheney, uh, Ari Fleischer, Paul Wolfowitz, just the the crew, the gang. Right. Mm-hmm. They brought us all kinds of fucking, like, that was, I think, honestly, speaking from 2020, those were the golden years. So we, you know? If we were to we correlate two, that. Two wars. Do you think, like. Two wars. I'm still fucking talking, Charles. Oh. I'm still fucking talking. Well, it's hard over, it's hard <laughs> over a distance, you know? We had two wars cooking. The economy was booming in 2008. It was just those were the golden years, and we knew Obama was coming. We knew that like this 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 Paul was cast over you know what was going to happen in this country. So I, I think this movie really is this beautiful. It's Kenny Ortega's love letter to the Bush administration. And please explain how. So I mean, I got it. We, we all liked Ryan him. Evans. We all liked the guy. Ryan Evans is Bush. Yeah. yeah. Troy Bolton is Cheney. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, Charismatic, sexy, dynamic. I would say that. Maybe Chad is a a little bit of a Rumsfeld, you know, a little Rumsfeld energy. Of, yeah, because mm-hmm. uh-huh. Rumsfeld, you know, he had savage clapback, and I think that's something we don't talk about enough with Rumsfeld. Well, maybe Sharpay is changing. I don't know. Sharpay, do you think Sharpay is a wolf? This is confusing, with? though, because if the if if that if we follow this thread, that that means that the next generation of High School Musical actors is the Obama administration and considering that they're all carbon copies. Uh, I like where you're going with this. Maybe you're showing that perhaps the executive branch of our country has no real say over what's happening. And even though you guise it under a different color, yes. perhaps they are okay. all this. The, the, the pedophilic reptile, the pedophilic reptile cult that controls the elite in this country. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to be quiet about it anymore. The beauty, the majesty of the Trump administration is that, yes, these neoliberal shills who are all reptilian pedophiles are finally on the run. But look, we can't go down the alley right no, now. No, just a little bit down the alley. When you say uh, reptilian pedophiles, are these people that are into fucking baby reptiles or are these reptile people that are into fucking babies? That's a great question. It's much the latter. It's okay. the latter of the two. It's a mixture of the two. It's reptiles, fucking baby reptiles. This is like a classic Sunni, Shiite, Protestant, Catholic divide in our relationship where my interpretation is that they're reptilians who are pedophiles and Allison believes they can be both reptilians who are pedophiles and reptilians who are focused on being pedophilic towards other reptile 
babies. It's look, we can't. This is like Shabbat dinner all I over again. I don't like this. Yeah, okay. it's pretty gross. Um, this is bad. Yeah, the state of this country is bad, and we've got to root out the deep state and end the, the cult. Um, anyways, uh, where we go? No, when this we go content off? is bad. Uh, I think it's pretty it's good. It's pretty good. Um, Wait, I, yeah, I have out, a, uh, a brilliant segue out of this. <laughs> so far. Why leave, though? Please take us out. <laughs> Josh, I, Friday, don't worry. I am On home. Friday, we'll have a nice episode that goes more into this. You have to pay for it, though. Um, I've, in the previous two movies, I have read to you aloud the first note that I've taken while watching these movies, I've taken notes and sometimes a little tickle in the brain. I'm like, Hmm, that's, I should write that down. That, that something about me likes what just happened. So this movie, I think you're describing having a reaction, Charles. That's not like something that we need to like fucking explicate for the listener. Okay. Well, the, the first note that I took today and perhaps this, this might go nowhere. This might continue throughout the rest just of the say episode. It. Just say the, just say the note. We get what's going okay, on. Okay, uh, Dad now looks like a melted Brendan Fraser. Oh my God! Right? He really does. He absolutely does look like a melted Brendan Fraser. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Mostly the hair, I think, but it's also it's the yeah, hair. I, I love that they're His like hair looks like he's melting. We need to add some flourishes <laughs> to the big finale movie, and and obviously the first place we should go is Dad coaches hair. Like, what an extraneous, bizarre detail. Well, they make a lot... Like, Chad's hair also looks melty. A lot of people look kind of melty in this movie. Some people look extremely hot. Not pointing any fingers, but Chad and Kelsey. <laughs> okay, hot. just a reminder, this is a movie called High School Musical, so I'm just going to When this and- movie came out, I was the same age as the actors, okay? And I still am, because that's how aging works. And Josh, if this were called Reptile High School Musical, what would you say to that? I'd, I'd say Please probably... Please don't say anything. Please, no. Guys, guys, uh, no. So we were talking earlier about the opening basketball scene, the opening musical. And this... Wildcat. I still wasn't quite in because for me, I'm, as like I think you are, a little sick of the basketball. And I'm, I'm very happy that, as you said, it's really great that they got it in and they got it out. Sort of like if you were to compare it to, say, Wong Kar Wai's... Um, happy together i think especially back in when it was came out like a gay relationship on screen was was around the same year that brokeback mountain came out and the whole movie of brokeback mountain is like when are they gonna fuck when are they gonna fuck when are they gonna fuck and Wong, i wish i could quit you and one car wise brilliant like the opening scene of happy together is them fucking so i think in the same way kenny ortega's like everyone's like oh if we're gonna sort of remake one it's gonna like the basketball scene was the finale and I'm just going to have that come shot early so we can just get it out of the way and focus on the rest. And I think the opening musical number was bad. What? Oh, you're wrong. Wrong. I, I, wrong. So wrong. So I want you to watch it again. I found like the scenes of basketball are some of the worst on like I the basketball same game was shit. They were all playing like shit. No, but that—that's th- the appeal. Yeah, that's that's the why point. it's funny. Okay, yeah. like Disney can't shoot a compelling basketball scene, but they try anyways. I love that. Yeah. By the way, uh, Wan Kar Wai is directing the porn adaptation. This ain't High School Musical three, so look forward I to that. Cannot wait. It's very <laughs> long. Yes. Former students are listening to this. <laughs> Ten minutes of fucking, and, and then so four upsetting. hours of to Al- to Allison students. Wan Kar Wai is guys, actually guys, not no, directing. Duh. Okay, okay, okay. Um. <laughs> But, um, so maybe wait, I should wait, watch I, it again. I don't I know. Thought, I was I didn't feel quite connected to it yet, and I felt like the dance scene and the basketball scene was not very well integrated. The reason that I liked it was because, you know, we were so disappointed with High School Musical two, and High School Musical three. They start us off 
by showing us like, okay, this is going to have the same level of energy as High School Musical 1. We're going to start with a banger of a number instead of like some weird cult it's summer musical break. It's summer song. break. We're all going on summer break. <laughs> yeah, summer like, is it was, fun. It was I very, like summer. Okay, it was like a punch in the face to start. And I agree, they're not good at basketball, but that's part of what makes it kind of fun. And the whole narrative of like Rocket Man is going to be the one who takes over the team when like Rocket Man barely knows what to do oh, that with was basketball. Great. So that seems strange, but in a fun way. No, but it's it's clever because again, again, they're triple guarding Troy. So he feeds it out to someone who no one's guarding, Rocket Man. But I think the point here is that the beauty of the opening scene is that in High School Musical 2, we can't mention this enough, the lack of community is absolutely perplexing because they're all at summer jobs. It's, it's like a place where we as old fogies, you don't go to a summer job to find this deep sense of community. You go to like – Wait, wait, wait. Oh, God. Summer camp? Okay. I, mean, I take it back what I said. Yeah. It was wrong and I regret it. Um, but no, the point is that we start off three with this, you know, the dancers, the music, the crowd. We want to see the Wildcat community integrated into one, you know, this moment of jouissance, if you will, to borrow a French phrase. Like we want to see that 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 absolute that that unity, that spiritual unity in the Wildcat community. So it's crucial we start off the movie on that note. And we do see that throughout the movie. The point is no longer infighting between people in the same Mm. age group. All the seniors are banded together. They are a strong community, like Josh said. And now their enemy are the younger generation. Yeah. Which is, of course, just a metaphor for the the, the unstoppable don't, wheels of time right. grinding onward. Yeah. But don't mention the lungfish crawling out of the primordial I loose. thought you were going to talk about Bush again, and I just couldn't deal with that. But you got Bush on the brain. What's going on today? Uh, it was <laughs> oh, my God. Holy shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I can't talk about one car why <laughs> making this ain't High School Musical 3, and you moved... Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Oh, oh wait. Was that, a, was that a... Pubic hair thing. But let's move on. Do you see, this is what the, the energy Charles brings to the table. It's getting the joke like thirty-five seconds after it <laughs> I'm happens. I'm so itchy. Allison's <laughs> having God, a You really do have bush on the brain. <laughs> that one didn't make as much sense, though. Well, he tried. Let's he give tried. him a little bit of credit. He swung. He swung. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, okay. So this movie I thought was chock full of really great numbers. I love Sharpay and Ryan's number. Like the, the, the biggest so good. easily the biggest production they've I think of the entire trilogy. I wanted to ask you about it because I mean part of it takes place in New York City. Well mm. their version Which in a way is feels like a character in the musical. Right. I felt it and I just wanted to like were the cab fares right? Like how did you feel as someone who's lived extensively in the streets of New York City, Queens? Well Ali and Brooklyn. I actually Part of our connection is that we we both. I mean, it's, it's hard to not. I mean, we, we, uh, yeah, we What's lived in happening? New York. Just we say lived it. in New York. Just I say mean, it. Humble. Well, brag. the thing with the New York is, it's almost like you're dating New York when you live in New York. I think Kelsey's portrayal of a cabbie was extremely accurate. You think so? Hey, uh, the baby? No, no, no. <laughs> they got that wrong. No, but it was fun. It was fun. I had fun. I mean, I've always felt that. I've never lived there. I've only visited. So when I think of like New York, like being in New York is like maybe more performing fellatio on New York rather than dating them. But I sort of get it. Like it is a very sexy thing. And I think that. Wait, what? You're shaking your head? You don't I think, think we're so? both just a little confounded. We're what what by the are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. Okay. So I know you guys are in the same room and I'm in a different room. 
I can barely see you. I'm going to take a screenshot of this just so you know. Like, okay, you're moving forward now. Just as I take the picture, it looks like I can see your face. But normally, <laughs> I can't see Allison's face and I can't see your face because you're shrouded in darkness and Allison's off in the top right corner. Okay? Can you complain some more? And then I say one little fucking dick-sucking joke and you guys are like, oh, wow, where did Charles go? Where did he end up? But you're meanwhile talking about the fucking Iraq war. I like it you. sounds like you're lost down one of the famous alleyways of New York City. Yeah, right, let's right. talk about New York again. <laughs> when I think about New York, I think about big slice of Brooklyn pizza. I think Boom. about going to the Madison Square Garden, seeing the Knicks play the basketball. I think, though, they they portray this this dream of moving to New York and making it on Broadway. And it's very glitzy and glamoury. We see a little Fosse choreo in there and... It's it's beautiful. As Josh said, Sharpay has her Liza moment. Um, for those of you who don't know what that means, look it up. And uh, yeah, so very New York. Can I go a step farther? If you're the kind of culturalist bore who doesn't know Fosse and Liza, <laughs> uh, honey, maybe this isn't the right podcast for you. Oh, wait. Okay? I don't know what that is. So I guess I should probably leave. All right. Thanks, Charles. Look it, it up. It was good having you. It was really fun. Okay. Yeah, so so would I say it's an accurate portrayal of, of New York? Yes. Most young actors who go to the city experience pretty much an awesome time that rules and kicks ass. They're, they're not like working in a fucking, uh, you know, Pinkberry for like seven years while uh, sleeping with their acting teacher and trying to get a commercial booking. That's pretty accurate, actually, for someone who's never lived the life. Uh, yeah, nail on head. What did you think of the list of cities? Do you think they left out any important cities or do you think they included some that shouldn't have been there? Well, I mean, St. Louis is the home of the blues, and I just I think that should get worked into most musical numbers. They mentioned Toronto. Ryan wanted to go to Toronto. Why do you think that is? Uh, a lot of movies are filmed in Toronto. Yeah, right? X vs. Sever was shot in Toronto. I just found that a weird inclusion. As you said, St. St. Louis should have been in there over Toronto, right? Well, yeah. it's the home of the blues. Um, well, Toronto is, I find, a bit of a sterile city. Yeah. I like going to Toronto. I have good friends there. It's not like my favorite. Toronto. I'm more of a Montreal guy. It has a certain je ne sais quoi to it. The old streets, the poutine. Wait, so Charles, did you not like this number? Um, I thought it was good. I thought. I mean, you know me. I don't really like musicals, and it was a musical number, so it was fine. I thought it was very well done. I liked the way that the I, the cabbie was my favorite part of it. Me too. Um, it was it, it was good. Yeah, it was. It's like this is sort of where I started to get more invested because the first one I I did feel like it was a little sloppy and I didn't quite understand it. This made sense to me. I thought it was very fun. And it also sort of talked about what, like, the plot was a little bit more integrated into these musical numbers this time. We got the boys are back talking about that. We got, uh, I really liked the one where it starts off with them each in their own tree houses or whatever. Like, he, he was in his tree house and she was on her balcony. And they were obviously two different cuts, but the way they filmed it, it like, felt very integrated in this connection between the two characters, even though they were separated unlike our experience right now felt very like very beautiful and i really felt the pull together it's really well, well shot. I, th- I think you're talking about the, the cinematic sweep to this it, it makes it very distinct aesthetically from the first two movies this yeah. really has a certain like richness to its visual storytelling and i thought that the visual storytelling in chad and and, and troy's number we really see them investigate their past together and investigate their shared emotional experiences and i thought that was beautiful. really beautiful oh, yeah like it was so good that was like Probably the most moving moving moment of the movie for me was seeing them wordlessly reminisce about their their experiences growing up together. Because as Chad reminds us in, in High School Musical 2, he's known friggin' Troy forever, which is why Troy was acting so friggin' weird in yeah. 2. Mm. Um, but, no, but and I think we, to we go back, of, like, one and two, Chad and 
they're always at odds with each other. And it's like, why are these friends always being such, like, they don't connect. They don't understand each other. They just are being mean to each other. And this was the first time where they also are having a conflict, but they're doing it in a loving way that acknowledges that they're friends. And I re- that's like, this This is the perfect way. There were the first two failed and were like beta versions or sloppy, like first tries. This was, you could get rid of the other two movies entirely. This could stand on its own and doesn't it doesn't even need to exist as a trilogy it gets as allison said like it is i i cried a little bit at the end even though like the characters are pretty two-dimensional so far like just the idea of moving on and growing up and trying to deal with being a young person you asked earlier i didn't watch these when they came out and high school was 20 years ago or whatever and it still hits you because growing up is a constant part of life that's cool that's beautiful well i also like that in, in this movie there is a moment of potential conflict between Chad and Troy, where Troy decides to split the diff and, like most uh, people, decides to pursue both theater and basketball at UC Berkeley, <laughs> which is a, a song as old as time. I think the writers really c- came to a very graceful way to resolve that. It is the most spineless part of the movie where they're like, he does both. Also, <laughs> no. I don't know anything about Berkeley's basketball team, but I don't. I can't imagine it's that great. But uh, UC Berkeley, as far as I know, doesn't have a musical theater program, so I'm not sure what he's doing there, really. But but so so Chad could have been angry. I could be wrong, though. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Uh, I won't. We, um, I will. So for. Okay, thank you, Charles. For much of the movie, Chad and Troy are talking about being Red Hawks together at Albuquerque State or whatever. Um, And then Troy chooses not to without telling Chad. And there's this moment they share together in the basketball court where it could be really – we could go back to that that high school musical one dynamic of Chad being like, what happened, man? We had dreams together. Dreams, my guy. And instead he's like, well, I guess we'll play each other on the court and that will be nice. That was And I think it's – there's this emotional beat that they take where Chad gets to have that feeling, but he doesn't he doesn't externalize it. He doesn't turn it against Troy. He like this is the progression. It was growth. It yeah. was actual growth. It's so great. I love that before it was all about we're on the same team, but we're always at conflict. And here at the end, we're like, we're together. We get to be on separate basketball teams and we get to be actually in a game of conflict, but that's because we're so strong together outside of the court. You're right. And I thought they handled that really maturely where Chad gets to respond to it and have a very valid reaction to that, but also accepts it. And and I thought that was really beautiful. And then, of course, Coach Dad comes out and goes, guys, get back on the friggin' stage. We're in the middle of the musical slash graduation montage. And he gives his dad a which hug. Which is confusing, again, because I believe they cut right to the graduation after that. It's a very strange sequence. The ending is a mess. And just to update you, everybody, um, Berkeley has a theater, dance, and performance studies not the same. So it's, it's not, not musical a musical theater. theater program. They do have dance and theater, but I believe Chan- uh, Troy's going to be a little surprised when he gets to Berkeley, California. He did not do his homework, my friends. You also, it's 2008, so you can tell he's about to get completely hooked on Adderall uh, trying to do basketball and theater. Like, it's really in the prime Adderall years. That's a lot of energy to put out doing both of those things. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk about Gabriella's character. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So we we see her at the beginning, you know, she's the great uniter. And I sort of relate to her character because I transferred in the middle of high school and I I I fancied myself a little bit of a uniter in my in my class that I joined. I was very invested in what was going on because I had had less time with them possibly. But uh so she's the great uniter. She brings everyone into the musical. Kelsey signs them up and she's like, "You know what? Yeah, let's do it." And everyone's like, "Gabriella, 
you're cool, let's do it, yeah. And then we find out that she's going to potentially not even be there for the performance because she has this honors college orientation that she has to go to, which is totally, sure, that's the thing that happens to people. It That is true. Timing things like that with college happens. But then they, they yank her away very abruptly. Like Josh and I kind of blinked and she was all of a sudden gone and like the whole story of the play of the of the movie had shifted. Well, there's that very avant-garde se- section that's that's sort of daring the prom and, part. and confounding where okay, so prom's coming up and of course Troy will not be able to go with with Gabriella now. Then all of a sudden Troy is in California with her in a tree wearing a tuxedo <laughs> as one does. And Yes, he loves climbing trees. Then Right, and then they have an exchange. Then all of a sudden, we're watching the musical representation of prom. No, that was actually earlier. That was earlier? This part is very odd. We are watching actual prom, but it's a dream prom where there's only like 12 people at the prom. But then by the end of that sequence, Gabriella is back in Albuquerque. Well, because she never left Albuquerque. It was a dream prom. Wait, what? This, I'm totally no, confused. This, she she no, leaves. She he goes and back. drives. She leaves. He goes to Berkeley. No, she no, guys. She does not. She, uh, Troy says, Gabrielle's like, we'll never make it back in time for prom. Prom is tonight, and it's a thousand miles away. Troy yeah. says, we'll have prom here. Uh-huh. That was just a dream sequence of them, and then they go back for the musical. What? Wait. No, that's that's insane. Guys, what that's talk- what no. happens. That is what happens. No, she go she's definitely in California. Yeah, cuz they have a phone call where yeah, he's like, in- you know, I can't make it back um for anything. Right, she's in California. But, but then Troy is in California wearing his tuxedo in the tree. Yes, that's not a dream. Troy goes to get her for the musical. Oh, that's oh, se- oh yeah. okay. I see what Allison's saying. Okay, I get it. Well, Allison is saying the prom part is the imaginary part, yeah. and then she comes back for the musical at the end. So I'm not saying the end is like a mirage. <laughs> I'm saying the prom part is a mirage. No, the wait, I'm so confused. The prom part okay, happens. So, okay. When Walt goes up to no. New Hampshire to hide out from the law, he dies in the frozen car. Okay, And so then, then the rest of the, of the actually, episode is a dream sequence. It's quite clever because they've showed us the entire prom earlier in the movie by doing... By doing a rehearsal, basically, for that number from their devised musical that they're working on, right? So we don't need to see prom. Right. But then when Troy comes to visit, we are shown a tiny clip of what prom might be like if they were at prom, but they're not. They're just dancing near a tree in California. Yeah, okay. We're we're all on the same page. We just have different... Versions. I would argue, and Allison, I, what I'm about to say is a big compliment, and if you listen to the podcast, you'd understand this. The work that we've done just now is on par with the time Charles and I charted out how many days transpire in Shrek, one of the early highlights of the I've series. I've thought about that so much. Yeah. We, no, we did the work. We did the work. We sort of charted out how many days of, of life we, we actually see in Shrek. And I think what we just did, charting out... Uh, genuinely one of the more confusing parts of High School Musical 3. This is the work. This is a contribution to the discourse that long after our deaths, should we die, um, will likely be most remembered by. I think this is the work. Yeah, I'm never going to die, so... So just to clarify, you do believe that Gabriella does go to Stanford and that Troy drives there on the day of prom yes. and misses his that, that prom is clear. to be with her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. I thought you were saying that was a dream. Okay. I was like, "Wow, this is this is a great interpretation." Oh my of gosh, High School that would Musical be a 3. wild dream. 
I do want to talk about Gabriella, though, because I do believe the entire series, uh, this has not been their movie. It's been Troy's movie. Yes. And Gabriella has never really gotten a story. And I think this was like the friendship between her and Taylor was the strongest this time. But especially at the end, we're like, she like the, what's the 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 theater lady, the theater teacher? She's like Troy. I bet you have a bit of a decision on your hands. And then he uses his decision to then introduce her, and she doesn't even fucking say anything. He's like, oh, and by the way, Gabrielle's going to Stanford, and she comes up and takes. Yeah, a bow. I know that part made me really annoyed. There are a lot of weird gender things in this movie that we don't need to get into. But I think you're right, Gabriella. Her plotline. She had a plotline in the first movie. It was sort of weak, but it was the Brainiac's plotline. Um, and in this movie, she ha- again, she does have a plotline. It's a good one, too, I And think. it's a good plotline, yeah, for sure. But you're right, because the movie is actually centered around Troy. Like, if, if we could have a different version of this movie that was just from Gabriella's perspective, and that would be very interesting. But, of course, we would not. We would ask Vanessa Hudgens to kindly sit it out mm. and uh, bring in a different actor because, well, uh, yikes. I'm told in one Car Wise, this ain't High School Musical 3. We okay. do get some POV shots from, okay. <laughs> from Gabriella's. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who would be a good replacement, Gabriella? Almost anyone. Are they still doing the no, This Gen- 8 series, like, Josh? I want to know. <laughs> I'm so, how could they stop? That's the cash cow. <laughs> That's this the cow? This ain't the shape of water. <laughs> This ain't first cow. I think Shape of Water already <laughs> is this ain't the Shape of Water. We should do Shape of Water for a bonus episode with Allison as a guest. No. I, I would love to get no, your... That you movie is got a total again. trash fire. Oh, we're frozen. Oh, you're back. There we go. Can Are you back? Hello? We're back. Hello. <laughs> we're back, everybody. That was a quick commercial break for This Ain't First Cow. Um, I hated The Shape of Water, but that's for another episode, maybe. You're wow, you guys are talking Shape of Water while I was gone? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> no, I said this ain't The Shape of Water uh, as a, to continue the, the bit, if okay, you will. Hold on, I'm going to just was like, I go think on it's already data. I wonder if maybe my internet's the problem. Charles, stop. No, don't do this. Don't, don't, just, we're, we're doing great. He can't hear. He, he can hear. How's that? Is everything okay? My back? Everything's yeah. fine. Yeah, we're back. We were talking about the Shape of Water uh, porn parody. Okay. That, that could have been. It already is a porn parody. I wanted a much longer scene of, uh, of uh, Mike Shannon stuffing oh his wife. Oh, my God. The All porn, right. porn um. where the like, actors are like forced to be like painted colors and wear strange outfits. What? Who likes that? Like, the, that's why the This Ain't series is weird. When you're like, this ain't the Avengers. And like, there's a scene where there's like people in rubber suits fucking each other. We just learned a lot about Charles very quickly, which is great. Um, okay, so we're getting towards the end of uh, the episode here. So I want to start positioning ourselves in a look back at the series uh, writ large. Um, so let's start with the basics here. Uh, to close up Musical 3, any last notes, any thoughts on MVP choices? This is honestly, I'm full of suspense for this because this is this movie is chock full of great performances. I'm excited to share mine, if if I may. Go okay, for let's, it. Let's start with our guest, Allison. Who's your? I'm still thinking about mine. Well, marinate for a little bit, Allison. Who's your pick for who did the best work in High School Musical three? Okay, my pick for MVP in High School Musical three is Mrs. Darbus. Oh my god, I, my brain was I swear to God going in the exact same direction. Okay, she's the theater out. teacher, right? She's the theater yeah, teacher. Yeah, she's, she's a rock. This is the movie where we see her have an emotional journey. It's the first movie where we don't only see her as a, 
uh, what's the word when dis- a disciplinarian. We also see her as a friend, as a mentor, as somebody who's really shaping young lives. We see her influencing Troy by submitting his application to Juilliard. Well, I, I want to and- double down on that point really quickly because you're right. She actually she actually becomes a crucial plot. Yes, she does. She shapes the plot, which is what I was saying. So thank you for interrupting me, sir. I just think that people need to hear a male voice articulate that. Oh, God. So, yeah, anyhow, (laughs) Mrs. Darbus is 100% the MVP of this movie. Um, There were a few weird things about her character. I just want to say, as a theater teacher, I would not just leave the creation of the spring musicale up to a handful of students basically on their own. Also, they don't hire a choreographer, a pianist, nothing. For a school that seems to have a pretty large budget, they sure are relying on a lot of unpaid labor. Remember when when, uh, when the Juilliard, the snooty Juilliard evaluators turned to each other during Ryan's number and go, he's the choreographer. <laughs> yes. Um, Ryan is amazing at choreography. Uh, also, Ryan's introduction <laughs> to this movie as the mascot fucking owned. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Oh, anyway, and also yeah, Gabriella's so- intro, I thought, was her best work in the entire series. Oh, that was beautiful. The stand-up moment. Yeah. Very artsy. I really like what you're saying, Allison. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I like as a remake of one. Mm-hmm. This is basically a remake of one where actually everyone gets emotional stakes. And Darbus could have been all of these things in one. Yep. Because I felt it so like she almost became this. And I really liked that this is like the growth where everyone actually gets to become what we were promised of them in the first one. Right. It's sort of a missed opportunity because throughout the series, you kind of want there to be an adult like there would be in an actual high school who is somehow mentoring the students and helping them in some way. And every all the adults are basically oafs up until this point. So, yeah, well, it makes that's, sense. That's my call. I mean, this is a public high school, right? I went to public high school for a bit. And shout out, Mr. Dales, if you're listening. I hope you're not, but I love you. I went to public high school, too. Actually, I've never told my only intro. I I auditioned to be in our musicale. And? Um, well, I was given the role of extraterrestrial with no speaking lines, so I never showed up. <laughs> That's called good casting. What what show was it? I have no idea. I don't remember. I wish I did. It was me- it was Men in Black the musical. <laughs> or it was just maybe it was maybe your your high school theater teacher also asked the students to create the spring musical and they were like aliens the musical oh, alien the musical yes yeah, alien the musical so our uh, musical theater or just I guess it was just theater we didn't actually do many musicals but she was a parent who wasn't actually like I think she was hired by the school but she didn't do anything other than be the musical theater musical or the theater person and. Wouldn't you know it that her son always got the lead role? Nepotism. Oh, and all he did was was he he auditioned for what's the name of the Inigo Montoya's character? He always put on a British accent. Mandy Patinkin. When we did Princess Bride, even though he was a Spanish character, and he fucking still got it, man. That sucks. He was the British Spaniard. Had had he been working? I'm Juan Carlos Garcia from Spain. <laughs> exactly. That's all I could think about. Uh, are, are you working? Uh, did, did you spend hours but, uh, laboring over your Spanish accent? We'd love to hear it. No, thank you. That's I think enough. you should just oh, try to just. That's one thing. The trivia of uh, High School Musical Three is all about the the running bits between all of them, like Troy looking at his non watch and 
things like that. I also want to add that there are small bits of racism in all of these movies. Yes. Yes, we do get an inexplicable racism moment in this one. We were very confounded. The it pizza like call? is doing a... a yeah. Yes. The pizza call. The pizza call. Was Troy doing an Asian accent? Yes, it was. impossible to know what accent that was. Why? Is the joke that... I was hoping he was just going for an Italian accent. Right. Just really no, swung and missed. It but, was definitely a, a cartoonishly mm. awful Asian accent, which I, I mean, I know there's an association between like delivery food and like Asian food. I, is that what, what Troy was pulling yes. on? I don't... It's confounding to me they couldn't have this movie happen without doing something racist because they didn't have a whole racist number in this one so That's they had true. to just pepper it but in. they had the scene they had the set the hawaiian set was back what when uh during the scene where they're going to new york they like use the hawaiian number from two as their like way to getting to broadway i don't remember and they like you know how it's like spinning rooms and they sort of walk through places one of them was the Hawaiian place. Well, hopefully that's symbolic of them. They're walking through their past and they're learning from their mistakes and they're walking to a bright new future where they, you know, make Joe Biden our reparations and Joe Biden um, is president. Okay. So in my quest for MVP, uh, Ryan is still up there. So I did a little bit of research and Lucas Grabeel, the actor who plays him, has some very interesting personal quotes which i would like to share a couple with you if you're okay with that i have never Please. been more excited for a charles contribution than right now okay um yeah luke so this isn't the character of ryan this is what lucas Gabriel thinks and you know he starts off great with a little quote it's nice to know you're working on something that will mean something to kids and i, I think that's a great sentiment and then he moves on to something like i dislike math and yet i respect and appreciate the fact that math is the language of the universe Damn, that fucking makes me think. I'm not going to lie. Hold on. Can I roast a fucking bowl right now? And did you read that back even slower? Please. (laughs) Okay, say it again. I dislike math, Mm. yet I respect and appreciate the fact that math is the language of the universe. Damn. Yeah. That fucking does make you think, though. I think we should just, we should quit here, because what more... Could we possibly have to say if you know famously if you put ten thousand monkeys in a room and had them type on typewriters forever, at some point they would type out. <laughs> I dislike math, but I respect that it's the language of the universe. Uh, and that's science. Look that shit up. I will. He also goes on to say, "I always wish life could be a musical." One person just says five, six, seven, eight. I don't really understand. Maybe that's more math that he's trying to incorporate into his life. No, but... no, no, Charles. No, that's a musical reference. Oh. Five, six, seven, eight. You're counting Charles, somebody into you the ignorant number. Slut. I already told um, you at the beginning that my beats are off, and I guess that's a beat thing. It's a, yeah, that's a that's a, that's a beat thing. Um, wait, also, since we're on Lucas Grabeel for a minute, before you guys get to share your MVPs, we haven't touched on the fact that this is movie three. I know this is Disney, but like, not only do we not get a sense of completion with finally having Ryan come out, instead, he's pushed into trying to date Kelsey by his sister, Who which luckily also, he, yeah. he, he pushes back against, which is really cool, and we don't see too much of that develop. Um, but yeah. Who, yes, Kelsey is also probably queer. Kelsey is vibing queer yeah. so aggro throughout the series and 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 ryan's sexuality seems so fluid and dynamic right it's really i don't know i sort of i liked their chemistry especially it doesn't need to be romantic they just have a a wonderful relationship 
And well, I think they it's do. The, the choreographer composer sense of craft. Mm. Okay, but I think they're that bringing that's craft. Interesting that it's like I, I read somewhere in the trivia that he wanted to have this character come out this movie, and Disney didn't want it because it's two thousand eight. Sure, but I sort of liked that. Rather than have like a romantic relationship, they just have a queer relationship together where they like just have a, they, I don't know, they felt that their bond was strong and they really appreciated each other. And they, I don't know, just the way they looked at each other, it was just, their casting was really great. Kelsey rules. That's really nice. I like that read of it. I think if the movie came out now, that would be a lovely read. But because it came out in 2008, when a character coming out was very much unheard of, and there was really, really bad queer representation on movies and TV. Whoa, it whoa, would have been a wait, much stronger that statement. High School Musical two, according to Irene or whatever, invented LGBTQ. <laughs> Fuck, I can't. Talk. I would like to disagree respectfully <laughs> with Irene, um, but yeah, that that would have been a huge statement, and that character was really important to a lot of gay kids okay. at the time. Yeah, I, I don't know yeah. who needs to hear this on this podcast, but. Some people are just erasing Will and Grace in this discourse, and I don't think you're ready to have the conversation yet. Well, I'm in season five of Buffy, which came out before this, right? Much yeah, absolutely. Before. Yeah, before. Like I mean, a decade before. Fucking, what's her name and what's your name? Yeah, beautifully put. Thank you. Okay, we need to start moving towards some kind of conclusion here. So I'm going to push the old ship down. Who's the- your MVP, Josh? Great question. Um, I, for this movie, I, I, you know, you, you you gave Darbus her platform, and I have to agree. She's, I think, uh, she also literally emerges from the shadows at one point, which is a big pivotal moment for any character and any actor, really, to have an emerge from. That the was shadows. actually my go-to move as a drama teacher. Yeah, frequently when I come home from work, Charles Allison will just emerge from the shadows. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, it is. It's actually quite unnerving. Um, I, I mm. want to give. Uh, I actually, I want to give Rocket Man the MVP. Whoa, Rocket I Man. Feel, I, uh, coming out of nowhere with Rocket Man, I think he brings a whole other energy to this movie that hasn't really been here before because Troy is sort of like a little goo- – like part of his role as the very non-threatening Disney lead is that he's had goofy moments or done like goofy things. But to have a full-on goof, to have like a 100% goof character who shows up just like Noel Fielding at the at the, at the climax of the musical just to unnerve Sharpay. Um, Great bit. I, 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 I think Rocket Man nails – like he's he's got this – you know. He aspires to be a Troy, but he'll never be a Troy. He's not a Troy. Rocket Man, it's not in your blood, bro. Right. You're not going to be Troy, and that's fine. Be Rocket Man. Um, I, I like that we sort of see the more sadistic side of Troy and Chad um, toying with Rocket Man, who takes like a champ. Um, I think Rocket Man had a key, a pivotal role to play here, much as he did when the Wildcats triumphed over West High in the championship game at the beginning of the film. So I'm going to give it to Rocket Man. I think he plays he wears a few hats this movie and does it admirably. To you Rocket Man, I doff my cap. I doff it, sir. Wow. Mm. What kind of cap are you doffing? I know that's like the oh, man. Ro- like Definitely sort of shows a teal your and cream fedora with like a For Rocket Man? No, he's no, no, no. like a trucker I'm, hat. I'm asking I'm what sure. Josh's cap is, no, which no, he like is doffing. No, like High School Musical Zone. Oh. It's definitely a Ryan style uh colorful fedora. Okay, you're vibing sure. Ryan. Oh, yeah, we should probably at the end of this episode, we should probably decide what all of our character hats are. Okay. Okay. Let's let's keep tacking things on to this episode. I think that I should be a new bit for all of it. Every time we watch this series, we should choose a hat. Great idea. Charles, who's your MVP? Um, I think I'm going with Sharpay. Mm. A classic choice. I feel like she really, as I've said earlier, like this movie does everything that one tried to do better. And Sharpay is a great part of one. She almost got my MVP pick. And I just like, I think her, as you picked Rocket Man as your MVP, like that relationship with the, the, the youngsters 
also relating to the future. I mean, she she sort of gets duped by her future, and yet she's still like is able to move forward. I don't know. I just like her story was a little less evil villain this time and just very relatable and she doesn't really get what she wants but she's still okay with it i think she's a very i'm I'm excited for the bonus episode where we're going to be doing her big fabulous adventure because she's grown a lot i think through this series and i i really like where she ended up i agree okay so we'll move to our lightning round finale looking back over the series as a whole who stands out as the towering performance i'll kick it off here i'll get i'll start the convo i'll get the discourse flowing um to be Zach Efron and to play Troy Bolton as the canvas upon which we project all of our hopes and dreams and memories and fantasies and sense of growth and joy and, and frustration and sorrow, I think it really requires an, an incredibly strong performance to anchor an entire series. And I think that maybe it's the obvious thing to observe, but Zach Efron does yeoman's work in carrying the series forward. If he didn't work, if he couldn't carry that load, none of this would work. And I think at the end of the day, I must again doff my cap a second time in this episode to the great Zach Efron, whose Troy Bolton is – there's never a point where I'm annoyed at him. I think he's understandable and, and, and believable. I, I think he brings a veracity to a generally thankless Disney archetype, and I want to give him the series MVP. He, he holds this together. That's fair, but I do think there were times when you were annoyed with him. <laughs> That's not how we're remembering this. Okay. Okay. Um, Charles, we'll close with Allison this time. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, even before you spoke, he he gets it. He was, I think he's always, unfor- I mean, unfortunately for Gabriella, he's always been what drives the movies. And I think he's doing a great job. I, I think he's funny. I think he's the perfect role for this. He never gets a movie MVP because there's always someone that's a little bit you know, more special and more interesting and sort of brings the spice. But when you're choosing a whole series MVP, like he shows that he's the rock and well, not Dwayne, Dwayne's the rock, but he's the lowercase rock. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. Okay, it makes sense. Yeah, you got it. Um, like I think high school, movie, the second one sucked and I thought his character, like his, he had so much to do and maybe that's why it sucked, but like he had a lot to, he's got a lot going on in every movie and Zach Efron, he does it. And I'm excited to watch this show that you talked about last episode where he wanders around Paris. I just, I don't know. He's a fascinating actor and he really brings that strange sadness to the role of, of Troy. And our grand finale, Allison, our special guest for the series, looking back over the three high school musical films, who stands out to you as the towering performance of this little Kenny Ortega universe we've so enjoyed? So I hear what both of you are saying, re Zach. Um, I think that the reason that you're saying he's the MVP is because he was given so much of the plot. And so if we're following that metric, then the MVP would be the script writers. But I think the MVP is the person who carries who carries the energy of the movie franchise. And I'm sure no mm-hmm. one will be surprised oh, wow. when I say <laughs> that the MVP of the High School Musical franchise is... Myself, Sharpay Evans. Wow. Wow. Allison, by the way, uh, for anyone who doesn't know her as well as her fiance and her friend Charles does, there is a lot of Sharpay energy in Allison. It's true. I would say the best of Sharpay. The best of Sharpay. And the worst. And the worst, Sometimes Josh. The worst. Yeah. yeah. You can't for have sure. the bad without the Let's good. Let's own it. Or the good without the bad. Mm, we we own beautiful. our shit here. We're adults. We, we are adults. And I have to shit, so. I almost gave my MVP to Manly Little Pickles Ortega who played Boy Evans, the the dog. 
Wait, Sharpay's Wait, dog Ortega... is called Boy Evans? Boy, B-O-I. And the dog is played by apparently Kenny's dog, Manly Wait. Little Pickles Ortega. Are you joking? There. Wait, the character's name was B-O-I Boy? Boy Evans. Yeah. That's so fucking cool. It's very good. Allison got very emotional. I was excited because it looked like the dog. Manly cry. Pickles Ortega had its own Wikipedia page, but it just relinks somewhere else in the oh, franchise. No! Yeah. Okay, guys, what a journey it's Wait, been. Wait, we can't leave without musical. asking the question. We still do it at the, even at the end of a series, right? Whose hat is... Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. God damn it. Are you yes, asking I, when I, will I'm it end? Ask, just, Josh, I'm not asking, asking when will it end. It closed really strong. Honestly, no, no, hold on. I'm asking when will it end. This was an excellent conclusion. Um, I, I think it would be a real stretch to do anything else. And uh, Despite the fact that they did a bunch else, I would agree. Uh, I am asking when will it end because I think it's perfect ending. End it. I, we're all in agreement here. I, I, same. The things you just said, I will also. I'm thinking that, and I'm not going to say it again. And I'm excited to do Sharpay's fabulous <gasps> adventure because I've actually never seen that movie, so it'll be a first time watch for me as well. And what an and, and a great way to close out the episode. Tell people to go to our, subscribe to our Patreon. You'll be able to hear more Sharpay content from Sharpay herself, Allison Lerman Gluck. Guys, subscribe to the Patreon. Okay, it's a good investment. Thank you. I know you have to shit. I know you want to end this, but we also got to give a little tease about what's up next. You know, I mean, yes, we're we're, we're staying in the high school universe. Yeah, uh, oh, I don't know this. Oh, I do. Oh, know this. you do know this. Um, yes, and and uh, I'm actually really excited about this. I've I've wanted to do this for a long time. I, I really love this podcast because like it's such a satisfying feeling watching all of a series. And we're about to dive into something really perverse and and annoying that I'm excited about. Um, I, Allison recently uh, whetted my appetite for this wonderful character actor with the series Shit's Creek. So I, maybe I've had him on the mind lately. And and, and Shit's Creek, interestingly enough, I think he's really operating in a, at a level of control and reserve that's somewhat distinct to his style. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to go back into maybe a real classic slice of this character actor's uh, sweet spot. But we are going to be diving into the American Pie series, or as we're thinking about it, the only series so far, I think, where a single actor, in this case, Eugene Levy, is in eight movies. He is the only continuous character throughout an entire franchise, and we're going to really enjoy diving into uh, really surely what he's been eating dinner on since the 90s at this point. Get that money, though. Yeah, he's been rolling on that series since 98 or something. So I, we're going to watch. Yeah. Uh, all and without that series, he maybe couldn't have afforded to help his children make Shit's Creek. So we thank him for that. So unlike the characters of High School Musical who have college to look forward to in a future, we're going to hunker down in high school mode for two months. And well, it's not going to be. I think there's there's also a band camp. There's also college. There's also eventually marriage. Oh, we that's get right. More of a fully fledged life experience okay. with the American Pie. Let me re. We're going to hunker down in high school <laughs> mode for one week. Great. Is that better? Yeah, it's better. Okay. Great. Okay. So uh, once again, I guess. Well, let's all just share one thought from the High School Musical series to close it out. I'm just going to go with the classic, guys. We're all in this together. And by that, I mean coronavirus. It's a pandemic, so we are literally all in this together. But you know, in a, in a literal way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with, what's up, Wildcats? That's pretty good. I actually sort of, <laughs> I was going to say something serious. Go for then it. Then fucking do it. Is that okay? Yes. Please. Well, I, I just like, I, I just. Charles, I, just say it. Just say it. Just say it. Stop I, preamble. I just liked that this movie really brought to, where before it's been all these like petty little fights, this movie, the fact that everyone like calls out and all the 
people have to keep getting recast, I thought was a beautiful energy for this movie where everyone's playing everyone else's roles. No one's stuck doing one thing. And it really, this fuck the status quo. Yeah. yeah Let's not stick to the status quo, kids. Oh, yeah. All right. We're now ending this. It's now over. Go High shit. School Musical is done. Go Class is out. Summer is forever. We love you Subscribe all. Subscribe to the Patreon. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we'll be there Friday in four short days. Yeah, and we will be back with more in the next app. Goodbye. Goodbye.